0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're dropping in on a special presentation from Alex Marie Baez, who's our Diversity and Inclusion Fellow here at Albany Law, and it's being the first lawyer in your family. And this is a panel with three peers and alumni to discuss the unique challenges that first generation law students face. Before we hand it over to Alex Marie, though, just some reminders, as always, at the top of our podcast here. Go to albanylaw.edu and then click on COVID-19 and the ribbon right at the top of the page just to make sure you're up to date on all the policies and procedures here at Albany Law School. If you want to follow us day to day, social media is the best way to do that. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you like this episode of the podcast, you want to hear more from both ourselves and our students, then you can subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. One final note before we get started here, the recording for this one's a little shaky in some places, but the information is absolutely excellent. So bear with us while we work through this one. Let's drop in on being the first lawyer in your family. All right, everybody
1: for coming. I do have some of your peers attending virtually. You don't see that, but it's here on my screen. So thank you all for coming to be the first lawyer in your family. You forget who I am. I'm Alex Rebyas, the diversity and including postgraduate fellow. I myself am a first generation, not just law student, but I am the first in my family to attend any higher education, and as well as completing high school. So this is very near and dear to me, these issues, and I understand them quite well. I attended Texas Tech University over in Levis, Texas, if any of you have a clue where that is. It's in the panhandle of Texas, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Was out there all by myself for four years. My family's from Florida. And it was tough. And making the move from Texas to up here alone as well was very difficult. And so I did indeed make it to law school here. So it's possible to be first gen and make it happen. I do have my JV now. But I I will admit it didn't happen without a lot of surprises and twists and turns along the way. And a lot of self-doubt is something I personally dealt with in law school. My family really, even to this day, still has a very hard time understanding the amount of stress I was under, the workload that happened and that's happening to me now. And they even struggle a little bit to understand my actual career at this point. And so I, I can really understand how difficult those conversations can become with yourself, with your identity, and with your family members. And so I am hoping to offer more support to those of you who are also the first in your family to take on this level of higher education. I'm so proud of you that you're just doing it anyway. Like we can be proud of ourselves for that. We, we know we don't have those safety nets that we might feel some of our peers might have. We don't come from families who can guide us through this process and. I don't want you all to have to feel like you have to figure everything out for yourselves. I'm here to offer that support to you all, and this is a growing little program of mine that I I hope to really aid in your success in law school. So without further ado, I would like to introduce a very recent alum. This is George Mufi. He graduated just recently in the class of 2021. And he just overcame taking bar exam. So, <laughs> and I'm gonna let George tell his own story because I, I will never be able to finish it. Over a so, George, if you don't mind, come on up and take it away.
2: Thank you. Can you hear me? You can hear me fine, all right? Okay. Well, first of all, congratulations on making it through orientation. to <laughs> do <laughs> where he said I also am the first in my family to attend both college and law school but I'm here to tell you that I don't think that matters here or at least it's not a disadvantage um, with all the resources that are available here but let me take it from the beginning I'm just going to run through the whole my whole law <laughs> school journey kind of um, I remember sitting here three years ago it was it was fall of 18 that I was here and I was horrified I, I remember I was like nah, this can't be and I, I just remember doubting myself. I felt like everybody else seemed so much more aware of what was going on. And I thought, like, there's no way this is for me. Like, and I'll take it back even further. I remember applying to law school. And when I told my parents I wanted to apply, we were like, that sounds expensive, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> we just did four years of undergrad at UAlbany. And now we're going to do this again. And it was, it was a late call. I, I didn't decide until. It was halfway through my junior year at U Albany where I was like, uh, maybe I should try. I, I didn't, I I kind of wanted to do grad school for psychology, which is my major, but then I I didn't really want to. And I was like, I may be possible, why not? So I applied, I I actually only applied here and I said, if I don't get in, it wasn't meant to be, I I'd do something else. So that was some maybe February of 18 that I applied, something like that. And I, I was accepted, of course. And I remember all summer being so nervous. Like, is this the right decision? I, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I don't know why. I just doubted myself so much. And even get orientation, I still did. I was like, oh, I don't, what am I doing? Like, I was so scared. But I remember feeling welcome with me. Uh, the second I walked in, front doors there by the two L's, the three L's and even the professors up front. I just, it felt right. I was still a nervous rat for the first or the whole orientation week, the first two weeks. Then um, I start thinking about finals and schoolwork, and just add that on top of it. And I'm like, I'm not sure if this is for me. I, I still didn't know. And this, I don't, not to freak you out too much, but my thought process, my first semester always was, your grades don't, you're gonna get one grade kind of at the end of the semester. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna know until it's too late, whether this was a good call or not. And I spent a lot of time calculating. All right, what if I get eight B's or two Bs in May? Like, what's that gonna look like? What, what are the numbers gonna come out to be? And if, if I had spent the time just reviewing notes at the time that I was doing all that thinking, I probably I would have been more effective up upfront. Um, another thing that I, that helped ease uh, a lot of my stress in the first semester, I think, was and a buddy and I, his name's Jerry. What, what we would always do is make sure that not 24 hours would pass where we were stuck in confusion or something. And, and that just, I don't something about that made us felt good, where, whether it was a law, a case, or something we, we didn't understand. It, it made us feel like we had control over what we were doing and material, where, like, say there was some, uh, some sort of weird contracts mailbox or something say there was a little piece we didn't understand, we would make sure to go to the professor within, within that day or within the next day. And something about that, we really felt like we, like, not powerful, but we had control over it and it helped us get through instead of sitting there uneasy. You know, if you let too much time go on, you don't look it up. Then next week, there's something else you didn't get. You forgot about the mailbox rule. That thing's out the window. You know, I, I don't know. Little things like that, I think, really made a difference. Um, and I'll also say this. I think, getting involved in things really makes a big difference. Um, there's not as much, I think, in the first semester that you can get involved in, as maybe the second semester or second year, but there are definitely clubs and things you can join. But I, I didn't join anything immediately, uh, but I definitely recommend anything that looks interesting um, for two reasons, for to build a resume and also to just the sense of community. It's just, it's so much better to be able to take your mind off the schoolwork a bit and do something like that. Um, I was a member of the Albany Law Review and I was a TA for property law also. And those were, those were good, they were tough and, and a lot of work, but it was good ways to take my mind off of the readings and the finals and stuff. Um, and I, I don't know how to word this, but <laughs> there was a point where I stopped being nervous. And I don't know when that point was, but I just remember a point where I said, I'm not nervous. Um, I understand that probably sounds like a backwards LSAT question, but <laughs> there, was a, there was a point in time where I looked back and said, I'm not, I'm not nervous. And, and I think it was even before the first grades came out. It, it I just, I was just in a routine of, of going to class every day. I felt like I was kind of getting the material. I was making friends, um, talking to professors outside of class, which was huge for me. They, they are always, I can't stress enough how available they are. Um, I was always so afraid I was going to avoid them because I would ask so many questions, but uh, maybe I did annoy them. I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I thought that was very helpful. Um, I'd like to talk about finals just a little bit just because that is very stressful. And especially first semester, you have no idea what it's going to be like. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's still like this most, there's not a lot of grades along the way other than the finals. You know? I think usually most, most classes, it's just going to be the final grade. But, I mean, you can spend all the time with, like I did, freaking out over, it's all going to ride on this one day, this, this one four-hour period. But if, if you're really doing the work along the way, making sure you understand it, talking to the professors, the final is just going to come automatically. And there's not going to be, it should not be stressful. They are tricky, there are, you know, but you will make it through those if you, if you do all the work along the way. Um, another thing I want to touch on is, is how great um, the career and professional development center is, which we have Deep Fitzpatrick sitting here. Um, I owe her my life probably at this point.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. I so after the first semester's grades
3: came out
2: is when I started to apply for summer internships uh, that first summer. And I ended up, thanks to her, securing an internship uh, at the Northern District of New York with a federal judge. And that was a great experience. And I will honestly say I would not have made it through that without Intro to Lawyering. And I know yeah. you few things about Intro to Lawyering. We have Professor Kidding up there. That class was so helpful, whether it was the memos, the blue booking, which you'll have a lot of fun with soon. Um, I definitely would, I, I was writing memos, even I, I drafted a, an actual opinion there. I would, there's no way I would have survived that without, I had Professor Pinchuk at the time um, and that was great. So then I entered the second year and I'm, now I'm starting to feel good. You know, I'm, I'm getting decent grades, like, all right, this is going well. And I'm thinking something's gotta go wrong. Like this is, this is going well for something to not go wrong. And of course, COVID hits, right? in the, in the <laughs> middle of the second year for me. So it was my second semester of my second year when that happened. And I remember, like, oh, nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, and I'll say maybe the first two weeks were a rough adjustment, maybe, maybe three. But after that, it, it felt normal. And it really did. And I, I am so thankful for the professors and all the faculty for making that feel like we were still here. Like I, obviously I knew I was at home, but I felt like I was here. If anything, I, I think the professors were more available because they were so aware of what was going on. So hopefully that doesn't happen to you where you have to be remote. But if you do, I assure you, it, it is not going to ruin this experience at all. It definitely did not for me. Um, so then, yep, my third year flew by and that was, I, I had a job secured at that point, which I'll, I'll come back to that later. but finish up third year. And I, I remember looking back in my third year, how nervous I was up front. And I thought, man, what, like, what was there to be so nervous about? I, I like, I, I'm surprised. Like, it, it's hard, it's hard to imagine how afraid I was up front after going through the whole experience with just the community in general, all the friends I made, the, the, the staff, everybody. It was just such a great experience. I can't even imagine why I was so nervous. I almost, it's hard for me to remember. Um, so then I make it, I graduate, um, and then the bar exam comes, right? That, that's, I'm sure that's not on your radar too much at this point. You've you got to get three years before that, but I'll touch on it a little bit. I definitely felt so prepared, more prepared than I would have imagined. There were so many little things that in my, I used Barber, that's a to term there were so many things that I already knew knew so well just from the professors here. I, I was stumped. Like I had always read online, oh we didn't learn this in law school, blah blah blah, you're gonna learn all this new stuff. I felt like I knew 90% of that material already just from I mean really and that was so helpful. It's just and I, I spent way too much time like googling things, seeing people on Reddit, what they're talking about. Like I probably <laughs> shouldn't have done that. And I was like what are these people talking about? Like what, what school did they go to? You know and, like I I don't know. I felt very prepared. And I, the school offered, it was virtual lunches with Professor Buffington. Uh, those were so helpful. Those, it was just a way to just, even, even if you didn't talk about anything substantive that day, just to talk to him about your fears, anxiety, that was great. That, that whole thing was great. Um, so the bar exam, and it was virtual, of course, for me. So I decided I was going to do it at my house. And I realized I've got to do something about it if I'm going to do this, just, just in case. So I, a good friend of mine lives right next door. He's 22 years old. So I just And he does a lot of garage work and stuff outside. So I shoot him a text a couple days before say, hey, just, just so you know, I have the bar exam Tuesday and Wednesday coming up. Um, if there's any way you can just hold... I, I try not to sound like a jerk about it. I was like, if you can just hold off a little bit on maybe the outdoor activities. He goes, oh yeah, no problem. So then the ladies, the neighbors on my, my other side, I tell them the same thing. Like, hey, you kind of make a joke okay. out of it. Hey, I'm taking the bar exam. So... I feel like I've taken care of the whole thing. And wouldn't some paving company show up? <laughs> Two days before. I mean, that road hadn't been paved in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and these people showed up. And I, I didn't know what to do. It wasn't even ask them if they could just put the paving job up. So I, I kind of rigged this trap up of, like, fans and, and, and air conditioners in the window to just, just for, for noise to make sure that there was going to be nothing. And luckily, I don't know if they worked that day because I couldn't hear it either way. <laughs> it all worked out. Um, so that's over, that was stressful, but you've got time before to worry, <laughs> worry about that whole thing. Um, I definitely also want to talk about landing a job, securing a job. That, that was a big fear for me before law school. Also, is this going to be worth it? Um, what's gonna, am I gonna get a job right away? I, I've now got to go into debt again, do three years without working again. Is, is this going to be worth it? And again, Dean Fitzpatrick, I, I, Oh, all this to you, really. I
3: no, George, that's <laughs> not true. <sure.
2: so, laughs> I, I remember so. This was after the first year, this was after my first year when the first year's grades came out, or whatever. And I emailed her. Um, so after the first year, some firms offer interviews here on campus, the first round would be here, and then if you make it past, you would maybe go to their firm. I'm not sure how it's been stuff, but that's how it was for me. And I, I knew I wanted to stay in Albany. I said, There's no, I've been in Albany my whole life. There's no way I'm going anywhere else. And I remember emailing Dean Fitzpatrick and saying that, saying, Do you think these Albany firms would be a good fit? I'm thinking of applying. Do you have any advice? And I remember she said something. She was like, Why just the Albany ones? And, and I was like, I don't know. That's just where I'm supposed to be. Like, I felt like that was why not, obviously, the Albany ones. And she was like, are you sure? Like, are, And why don't you come in and talk? So I came in and she, I remember her saying, have you thought about the city the city firms? What about the Manhattan firms? And I was like, no, what, what, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I, didn't want, I didn't want to be anywhere near there. Then I started looking into it, you know, I, I, I looked at the salary, yeah, that looked good. <laughs> I like, I that. <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hat and see what happens. Um, and that was a process. That whole summer was, I think I must have blown your email off there <laughs> of for four weeks straight or so. Um, so I ended up interviewing, I, I landed a couple of interviews with the city ones and the Albany ones. So I did a bunch of on campus interviews. So that was a great process, whether it be for firms or anything. Was, that is a great process over there at the, at the Career Center. And there was a firm which I, I ended up getting an offer at, at Seward and Kissel in Manhattan. Um, I remember sitting there in that interview saying, there's no way, again, it was the same thing. There's no way I'm supposed to be in the city firm. Like, they're never going to take me. There's, there's no way. Um, I did the interview here. Got through, or no, that, that, you know, I'm sorry. That interview was actually in the city. That was in, not a hotel. It was a- New
3: York City office.
2: That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's, it was in the New York City office. That's where that one and a few others were. I did that. That went well, and then I went back to the firm for like a two hour interview with four different, um, uh, it was a partner and three associates. And I thought there's no way, whatever. And then I got the call, I was so happy. I I ran into her office. I'm like, can I just accept this right now? What are the formalities? Um, So I did, and I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, And I, so last summer I worked for them remotely. I, was, I would have been there, but with COVID it was remote. So I'm sorry, I should explain this better. So, so how that worked was I, you work for them in the summer and then hopefully you get an offer at the end of the summer which usually you would if you, if you got there in the first place. Um, and the reason I want to tell this story is growing up I always thought that, I always had this idea that lawyers are perfect, they have to be perfect. And that there's no mistakes. Like as a little kid, I would have thought a lawyer had every right answer. Nothing was going to go wrong. And I wasn't sure if I want to tell this story or not. <laughs> at, this was maybe my second week working remotely. I, it was six o'clock at night. I think it was a Wednesday night. And one of the uh, more senior associates emailed me and said, you have two hours right now to work on something. There was a small error in something that happened. Um, is there any way you could give me two hours of your time? And I'm like, sure. So I, I look at this, I'm looking at the, this, these, this contract. I have no idea what not, not even. And I knew that there was one female associate there. That's all I knew. I could picture her face, but I couldn't think of her name because we were remote. I hadn't met these people and I'm having a hard time. And I knew she was going to be able to help me with this. She had told me she dealt with this kind of thing. And if I have questions about this, call her. So I Google her, I'm, I'm, I'm on the firm's website trying to find, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through these people, right? And eventually I find like, this has got to be her. So I have her and so with her picture. So I know that it's her. So I call her right there. I'm kind of in a panic, like it's six o'clock in the night. I'm like, is it, we're in stress code. And she calls me, she's like, yeah, no problem. So she's like, let's on on Zoom. So I get on a Zoom with her and I'm explaining to her what I'm looking at and why I'm confused. And she goes, "Hmm." she goes, can, is there any way I can look at it? And she goes, she goes, or I go, sure. And she goes, okay, can you share it so I can take over your screen? So I share it. And doesn't what pops up on the screen is her smiling face. I'm like, that's what popped up on the screen. And I sat there and sunk into my chair. And I was like, oh, my God. But no, her and I have a friend of relationship now. And I just wanted to, to humiliate myself a bit and say that like, we're, nobody expects you to be perfect for the stuff you do. We're gonna make mistakes. Maybe not that ridiculous mistake, but you know, there's there's always gonna be some silly thing. No nobody's gonna judge you for that. If you you get cold called in class and say something silly, nobody's going to remember that, right? Nobody thinks that you you, it may be six of you, but nobody else thinks of that kind of thing. And that was a fear I had to overcome. Is that I I always felt like everybody was watching me or paying attention to me. Everybody's so focused on what they're doing and all the work. Nobody's nobody's worried about what you've got going on. Um So I remember I just I keep thinking back to how anxious I was, and I say this not to boast, not to put importance on rank, but I remember being I was so afraid, saying there's no way I can't pass these things, and I ended up in the top five in my class. And I tell you that to say that your fears and your anxieties up front are not will not define how well you can do at law school or your ability to get through this and succeed, because I think that I was probably more nervous than the average person and more doubtful of myself. Um, and I did it, I graduated, the bar is over, hopefully I passed, I guess we don't know yet. <laughs> we'll find out in a couple of months. Um, I guess, as I wrap this up, I just wanted to, there was three things that I really wish that I, I thought of or, or knew. Um, the, f- the first one being, as difficult as this is, and as hard as this will be, it's always going to be manageable. There, there is always going to be a resource, whether it be a 2 l or a 3L, professor, uh, the career staff, there, there is going to be somebody to help you, an alumni, anybody. There's always somebody to talk to. And I definitely took advantage of that. Advantage. I would talk to even the, the more senior students, just hearing from them like, hey, how, how did, what did you do for finals? What did, did you, how did you take notes? Just hearing things from different people was so helpful. So you, you can get through it. There's days where you might say, why am I doing this? What am I doing here? But it always will be manageable, right? that's for sure. The second thing is I hope you remember to have fun with this. It's, of course, taken seriously, but you have to have fun, whether it be on Friday night, Saturday night. You, you need to take your mind off of work at some point. You can't, it can't be seven days a week, all day and all night long. With work. There, there's no way that that, that would be successful. Um, and the final thing that, I, that, that I'll leave you with, and this is, was the most important to me looking back, I think, if I had known this, is that whether you're coming in, straight from undergrad right now, whether you've taken gap years, you know, whether everybody in your lawyer's a family, whether nobody in your lawyer's a family, nobody in this room or in, this, in your class has an advantage over you or is in a better spot. You, you truly, you're here because you deserve to be and you've worked so hard. You got through the application process, the LSATs, everything, and you're here now. And just remember that you, you can do this and you can do this just like everybody can, for sure. Um, I, I could not be more proud to have gone to the school. I'm so happy with the way everything turned out with the job. Um, I could not be happy. Um, so please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about anything along the way. I'm always, because I, I couldn't, again, I couldn't have done this without reaching out to people who had done this before, or who, who were years ahead of me. There's no way I would have been able to do this. Um, so I'll leave you with that and good luck next week and over the next three years. Uh, thank you.
1: Thank you, George. was oh, so inspiring. I already graduated. Let <laughs> my left, We have two of your three L peers here. And they are also first-generation law students. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce them. On the end there, we have Jenna DiBenedetto. You may recognize her if she gave you tours or was your orientation leader. <laughs> Jenna is a third-year. She's set to graduate in May of next year. That sounds closer than you thought. <laughs> She's <laughs> a student ambassador for the law school's Office of Admissions and this academic year's Gabrielle Chair for 4. She has interned with the Albany County District Attorney's Office Appeals Bureau and the Rensselaer County District Attorney's Office, gaining experience in appeals and criminal prosecution respectively. She's also worked at Cullen and Deichman LLP, where she worked on energy law matters, as well as with the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. Before law school, she received her Bachelor's of Arts in Environmental Studies and Anthropology from Fordham University in 2018. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. We also have here Kristen, who you may also recognize <laughs> as one of your orientation leaders. This is Kristen Davis, and she's also a third year. Originally from Florida, as a line. We have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, fun day. set to graduate in May as well. She currently serves as the an editor-in-chief of the Government Law Review, which is one of our three journals, and has experience as a teaching assistant for Professor Von Ventry, And will now serve with Professor Lynch. She is intern with the Albany Public Defender's Office and the Schenectady District Attorney's Office. Before coming to Albany, many received her Bachelors of Arts in Theater Arts from Flagler College in Jacksonville, Florida in 2018. Welcome to our two lovely panelists. So I'm going to start them off with a little bit of a softball question here. And that is, what made you take the leap to decide to become the first in your family to pursue
4: a law degree? I'll go first, can everybody hear me? Okay, um, so I was asked to join the mock trial team because they needed witnesses. And then one day one of the lawyers didn't show up at a competition. So I jumped in and was the lawyer that day. I didn't know what I was doing and I was terrible, but I learned that I liked being a lawyer more than I liked being a witness. And that brought me into the legal field.
5: Um, I would say for me, I'm also the first member of my family to go to college and at all in general. Um, So when I was kind of exploring what I wanted to do, I was always really inspired by science, hence the environmental studies major, and then kind of saw how that intersected with the law during my undergraduate school search, actually, while visiting an undergraduate school. They were talking about environmental energy law and just advocacy for others in general, and kind of service of others and community service to a big part of my life growing up and something I was really involved in. And I realized by pursuing the law, I could help other people and kind of use education to create a better life and community for people everywhere. So that kind of inspired me to want to pursue the law. Also, my dad really wanted a doctor or a lawyer and I'm afraid of blood. So law was the next best choice. Um, but I've gotten to, I did moot court in high school and got involved with, different law related things in undergrad. And it really made me realize how much I enjoyed the advocacy and kind of the trial practice and whatnot. So it kind of brought me to law school.
1: I will say, because George mentioned uh, that he never really intended on going to law school until halfway through his junior year. That's the exact same thing that actually happened to me. My degree is in psychology and everyone in psychology is always aiming for like a master's or a PhD normally. So like, it was just, I was like, yeah, a master's program, obviously. And then somebody mentioned law school to me in an office I was working in at the time. And I was like, oh, "That sounds like less time than like a PhD, law school. And you know, here we are now. So if you did come here on like really nothing, that's okay, I can relate to that. So you did all come here and you two especially came here without a familial frame of reference of what to expect when it came to workload, emotional load, and the overall pathway to becoming an attorney. What aspects of navigating law school have you found the most challenging in
5: dedicated circumstances? Yeah, so I, even though I was a legal assistant before I came to law school, I didn't tell anyone I was working with until I put in my deposit with Albany Law. That's only because my mom posted it on Facebook before I gave my job notice. So um, and when I, I went and they went, Jenna, why are you doing that? She'll stay with us forever. Um, but I had no concept of the time it took to learn how to read a case and work through a case book. Um, Remember my first, through my first week of reading, I was sitting in our dining room because I live at home, my family. Um, And my mom was like, Jenna, you got to be done by now. And I was like, mom, I'm done with contracts. That's it. I got four more to go. Um, And she was like, there's no way you've been here all afternoon. And I didn't realize the time one to learn how to brief, how to read cases. Um, I didn't know anything about kind of the piece of the puzzle to be a lawyer I thought it was LSAT and bar exam. If you didn't know, it's not just those two exams. <laughs> there's a lot of other things that happen in the middle. And all of those are pieces that I learned after starting my journey. Um, and I think that was a big piece that I really wasn't aware of until I was headfirst in law school, realizing that you know, there's the New York law exam and the MPRE, and I need to track down every legal employer I have, which I heard you guys learned about yesterday. Um, and those are just pieces of the puzzle that I wasn't aware of from that lack of background.
4: For me, I would say the grading system, Uh, I think in undergrad and especially in high school, you have so many little assignments and they all come to be your big grades. You know where you are throughout the year. Normally about midterms, you would really have an idea of how you're doing here. The vast majority of your grade does come from your final. So it's a different way of approaching a class in general. So you have to prepare for the whole year instead of just one section. So you don't learn something at the beginning of the year take a test on it and then forget about that. You need to know it the entire year. So that was just a different process, a different way of learning. So you learn how to review as you're going and how to come back to something instead of learning it for that one specific time. Thank you.
1: Well, so let's talk a little about support systems because I personally found that to be the most important for me when it came to success. I had a lot of support, and still do, from the wonderful faculty here. I am again going to embarrass me because she was just like the Messiah for me in navigating all of this. You know you were, you know you were. And Dean Quinn has also been like a lovely, I mean, she believes in me far more than I believe in myself. I'll, I'll put it like that. So here at Albi Lot is possible to have a support system made up of staff and faculty and alumni, even with your peers as you join affinity groups and other student organizations, and there's also ways to find resources for yourself. So could you two speak on who or what has made up your support system here at all? Kristen, you can go ahead and start this one.
4: So I think there are different types of support systems. So if you want to have support for your career, I would say go to the career services. But for mental support, I really, I found friendships here and that really helped me. They can be inside of your section, outside of your section, but having other students who are going through the same exact thing as you really did help me understand that I'm not alone. Everyone's freaking out. No one has to, knows how to do the page numbers the correct way. So it's not just you. And just for a second, I want to speak on imposter syndrome. So everybody kind of thinks that they're not good enough to be here. And then you start realizing I did around, I think my second year that maybe I am supposed to be here. And it doesn't matter what grade you get, you still think that like, I'm still a little bit scared about getting cold called this year and I'm going into my third year. So it's just something that everyone's gonna deal with. And then another way of getting support is kind of academic support. And I would say, go to your professors. Right now is the perfect time to go and meet them. You don't have to have a question to go to their office hours. You can just go and say, hi, my name is Kristen. I was wondering if I could talk to you a little bit about where you got or what what law you're interested in, anything like that. Because normally people don't go to their professors until the very end. They'll go around midterms, they'll go around finals, and then everybody's gonna be going. So you won't have as much time. So really trying to foster those relationships with your professors now.
5: Yeah, I would, um, definitely say, uh, she's not here, but Joanne Casey is my career advisor. And, um, I promise her if I ever become a judge, she's actually my date to my like confirmation and my, my swearing in, um, uh, the, the woman will take my call in the middle of the night. Um, she'll take it while she's on medical leave, getting surgery. She took it while she was on vacation two weeks ago, laying at her family's pool because I called her in a panic. Um, and she. She's been an incredible support system to me. I've come into the Career Center crying, screaming, celebrating, um, and she's been part of all of it. My professors have also been great. Professor Jim uh, was my lawyering professor. I think that's why I was so successful with Moot Court last year and also with my work with the DA um, because, sure, you can be a great writer and you can know how to talk to people. Obviously, Kristen, I I think maybe me, know how to talk to people. But um, you can't do that if you don't have the foundation, if you don't know how you're supposed to frame the words. If you don't know how to blue book, please listen to the blue book lessons, they will change your life. Um, so the professors really changed, but also just the, the staff involved in this school. Um, the big piece for why I came to Albany Law School was that Lori Stevens, who works at the front desk in admissions, um, should be embarrassed when me saying this, still remembers what I was like on my tour, I was awful. I was not friendly. I was in a bad mood. I took a sick day from work and she still remembers. And she was like, you came with your mom. You were kind of crumpy, but I, I knew you were going to make the right choice. And I like have lunch with her even over the summer. I'd like take a, I could have like a half day in my week for schedule for work, come have lunch with her like once a week at least. And I work in there. And um, it's really important to kind of have, think of the people in your life outside of law school who kind of build your support system, who give you the nurturing, who give you the tough love, who give you the you know, random fun when you need a break from reality and find those fixtures in this community because my family's great and I love that I get to live at home with them and kind of have that support system. But if my mom listens to me talk about contracts one more time, she's just going to lose it. So to have people who embody what you love about the people you love the most, but in this community and who can understand this specific journey um, is such a privilege and, and they're here. You just have to be willing to seek them out, like Kristen said, and kind of build the relationships.
1: If you haven't heard love the career sector, <laughs> everybody is <laughs> they are all when I say like extremely dedicated to whatever path you personally want to take, they will get you there. They they will take the time, they will get you there. And on support system, recognize. You're in a room full of people mm-hmm. with something you already have in common. We, we are all here because we're a little first generation nervous. Have that with each other. Talk about that with each other, with each other's support system. Cause it, it is a bit unique and you might find some unique challenges in that as you go through your three years, but clearly you're not alone in that. And I do think a common fear amongst the first generation students share is being at some type of disadvantage, which George touched on and we've touched on a little bit here. And I personally felt that I needed to like network my butt off within the first year of being here because I happened to be surrounded by a lot of students in my section. A lot of my peers had like at least one person who was a lawyer in their family, had some type of connection, Or took some type of gap year to work in a law firm prior so they already had something going on and sections feel small when you're in them and it just it all was just like closing in on me i was like i need to start shaking hands out west in texas there is this saying it's not the braids you make it's the hands you shake and that was kind of ingrained into me for the four years i was out there so I ask, have you ever felt that your peers with attorneys in their families have had or had an advantage over you? And if you do, what do you think that advantage was?
4: So the only time I've ever felt at a disadvantage was when one of my friends, both her parents actually went to Albany Law School. It kind of cute, both her parents they didn't meet at Albany Law School, but it's still pretty cute. Um, so she was in an interview one time where the judge knew her, but the judge didn't know her because of her parents. Her judge knew her because she was in the community. They knew her because the judges, I think niece was on the same hockey team with her. So it's not necessarily that you, you don't need to be concerned that they have a lawyer in the family. It's more like just anybody who has a community, but you don't have to be from the Albany community to get a job. I'm from Florida. I don't know anybody here. When I told people I was going to Albany Law Albany Law School, they thought I was going to Georgia. So like, this is not <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all the way to all the way, Georgia. No, I'm going to New York. Um, so you don't have to be, they're not looking at the connection as much as they're looking at your resume. So if you're, if I'm next to somebody whose parents were a lawyer, but their resume, isn't the same as mine, they're going to pick the person with the better resume, like you, have, if you have the same qualifications, that's what I would be working on right now. How do you distinguish yourself?
5: I think um, definitely the imposter syndrome that Kristen uh, touched on really played a role in that for me because I and as a plumber, um, my mom, my mom works in health insurance. I have nothing touching the criminal justice system besides maybe, or the law system besides maybe speeding tickets, um, you know, in our family. So like for me, I had no idea how to navigate this. I was like, I know how to talk to people. I know how, you know, to network from undergrads, but I, I don't know how to. Network with people who are using legalese and wearing nice suits, and especially like when your understanding of the law and law school is from television and movies, you're like, wait a second, like, how do I navigate this? Like, I don't know these words yet, I don't know how to have these conversations yet. And I would get terrified um, going to like events and networking events. Um, and ironically, he ducked out. But Professor Jim actually, we had a networking event, our one all year. Professor Jim showed up for my section. He was like, if you're afraid to talk to people, if you're afraid to make those connections and network, I'll start your introduction for you. And he'd walk up to alumni and say, hey, I want you to meet someone from my section. This is Jenna. Uh, you know, she's she's really great. I'd love you to talk to her. And he had no idea who they were. He didn't, he didn't go to Albany Law, but he, he he would talk to anyone if that meant that you were more comfortable. And that kind of helped overcome that imposter because I think you can feel like, wait, my mom's not a judge. My dad's not a lawyer. I don't have any idea how to do this. Um, but honestly, none of us have any idea how to do this. We're just doing it together. So when you realize that and kind of overcome that fear in yourself, you realize that it's really still an even playing field.
4: Also, I would like to add, I, when I went to networking, friend, networking events, I would bring a friend with me um, and we would kind of tag team alumni. So then it wasn't just one-on-one and it was a little bit easier. And we always just went to events together. And that helped ease a lot of that anxiety.
1: I'm a very introverted person. and Networking events still make me you- like grow up to be honest, but you get better at like managing it for yourself as well. But the networking is something that'll help you a lot, uh, especially as a first-generation student. Getting to know alumni and seeing how different all of their paths have looked will help give you that picture that you might feel like maybe you're missing. On like, is this just a direct pipeline like, to like being a prosecutor? or defense attorney, you'll have an experience where seeing what else is out there by going to those events and meeting one time. And so I touched a little bit for myself on family issues with law school. They live on, my family's still lost in the sauce of the whole thing. They were like, this was so expensive. You know, why are you spending hours on what class? They never, they never understood. And I think that's something some of you might end up being able to relate to or maybe you have if you were the first in your family to attend university and I've I've had to come up with a system of how I speak to my family about my career and law school because it was expressed to me at some point that they felt that I was maybe being pretentious and it is because my personality changed. After I was, my brain was taken out of my head and molded into a lawyer's <laughs> brain. You start to think differently. You communicate differently. And to my family, it seemed like I was up here and I was treating them like they were down here. But what I really was doing was talking to them with the language that I have because I thought that that would make them feel included in my experience more. So it, it can be a balancing act there, and it can cause tension. And I, I wanted to ask the two of you if you've experienced any struggles in discussing the law life with your family and how that has looked for you. Um
5: yeah, I I think um I'm lucky that my family has tried to be really supportive even though they don't understand it and now my sister is also at albany law and they cannot bear to listen to anything more about law school at the dinner table my brother's so glad he's not going to law school um but um you know it's hard to kind of one have um being the first person to go to college have that justification for the expense you might be accruing if you're not congratulations but if you are it's okay um and that consideration of like having to understand that you're investing in yourself, you're investing in your future and the future of your family, one. And two, um, to kind of have to reconcile the fact that what might seem super exciting or interesting to you might not always be to them. Like, I'll come home with my mom about something that happened in class. She's like, okay, Jen. Okay. And like, I could see she's really trying to turn the wheels over, but she has no idea what I'm talking about. Um, and that's, it's not her fault. And that's not my fault. And part of that is understanding that you can celebrate, you know, acing that cold call, or you can mourn not acing that cold call or that midterm or whatever it might be. Um, And still understand that it's not your family not being excited for you because they don't understand. Cause I know my family's excited me. I'm from like an old school Italian family. They don't compliment in, in, uh, in close quarters. They compliment to strangers. And then you hear about a third person and like, I'm always like, oh, like, they probably think I'm making a mock of myself. And then I like go to a family event. Someone will like, your dad said the nicest thing about something that happened in class to you. And I was like, I didn't even know who was listening to that. Um, but so, so don't worry if there's that little bit of lost in translation when kind of sharing your experience um, because it is your experience and they're trying their best to kind of be part of that journey with you.
1: Yeah,
4: I would, I would kind of echo what Jenna said. There is a loss in translation. They just won't understand the terms you're using. So you can, there are two ways to do it. You can either try to explain the terms to them. My dad personally, he has a GED, so he doesn't have a high school degree. So he doesn't understand most of the things I do. And I've tried to explain it, but at some point there are certain things that it's easier not to explain. And that's a personal choice, whether or not, like I'm on government law review. Explaining to him the difference between a law review and government law review isn't going to change anything. It doesn't matter in the long run to me that he knows the difference between the two. So I just tell him the one thing that he needs to know. So that's something that really helped me communicate. The biggest change I saw, well, just to echo about the pretentious thing, I had that with my friends a little bit. Uh, I used to say they make fun of me. I go, just to confirm all the time. I don't know why. I didn't start doing that until law school. But just to confirm, this is what we all agreed upon. This is the plan going forward. I didn't talk like that before. Just to circle back. Just to circle just back. Circle like back. You'll start using these kind of terms generally. <laughs> my friends understand and it's a running joke and it's fine but if your friends don't understand or they are having that issue you guys are adults just talk to them about it it'll be fine and they'll nine times out of ten understand and if they think that you're pretentious maybe don't be friends with them I don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) you will notice that you will start to think very differently very soon without noticing it you will also start to speak very differently very soon without noticing it, other people will like point out to you in your life. And if you're if you have a family like mine who's not taking so hot to them, come speak to me. I, I really do understand that, and especially if they're a very traditional Hispanic, Puerto Rican or Dominican <laughs> family. I I understand where they're coming from. So we we all we did talk a little bit about what can be kind of surprising in law school. And because we're not coming here with a full picture of what to expect, you are going to find yourself at some point sitting somewhere. Somebody's going to mention something to you and you're going to be like, what on earth is that? Like, what are you talking about? Like we threw out terms like MPRE and New York Law Exam earlier. Okay. Those, that's your ethics exam and the New York portion of the bar exam, if you will, that you need to qualify for a bar attorney in New York. I had no idea what those two things were. Nonetheless, that they would cost me money to take. And that is you know, something for me where like, there were a lot of hidden costs that popped up in law school. I would work through law school work study and I also had a part-time job outside of law school, just trying to prepare for these costs. Internships, parking in downtown Albany and things like that. Things come up and you might not be super prepared for it. And so were there, were there things that shocked you in the worst way possible <laughs> about law school that made you think, oh my gosh, everyone else probably knew about this. and It's literally just me who had no idea. Kristen.
4: Yeah. So the good thing about most of those is it doesn't matter if you're first in the family, it's going to impact everybody a little bit. So the first thing I would say is terminology. Your teacher's like procedural brochure. You heard that so many times during orientation. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't know what that was until like a year ago. But the good thing is the students who are not or who are not versed in their family also don't know what that means nine times out of 10, unless it was a very boring kitchen table.
1: So
4: you're on an even playing field. The other thing is supplementals that I didn't know what that meant. If I'm buying a textbook, I want that to be my textbook. Why am I spending $50 for another thing that my teacher didn't even write? So my advice on that. So what a supplemental is. So somebody at some point said, this is really hard to understand. There are a bunch of old language in here. I'm just going to put this in English so that you will understand it. Our library has a bunch of supplementals in there. So you don't have to buy them necessarily. And the supplementals are not written by your professor, so they might have information that's different than your professor, so just be aware of that. Also with outlines, you guys are gonna get outlines from your peers, everyone does. Um, just make sure you're checking that with your teacher. Make sure that what your teacher said is the same as that outline. Don't just go off the outline because you heard that this is an A outline. So those were, I think, the big things
5: that surprised me. Um, I definitely think the, the hidden cost would surprise me and how quickly things pop up on you. Joke about the New York log exam because I have to finish the course by Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I just started it. I just did the welcome message this morning. Um, so, you know, it's only, only my future on the line. Uh, but <laughs> I kid. Um, But things like that, they slip up on you. You really have to be on top of your calendar. I joke that I have like three different planners and I'm the queen of Outlook. I told my mother to send me Outlook events to go to the mall with her. Um, and I still, sometimes things slip through the cracks because there's so much going on. It's sensory overload at times. There's always an event going on. There's a meeting at nine o'clock. Why SBA decides to meet at 8 p.m. on a Monday is beyond me. <laughs> Albert, I'm looking at you. But, um, you know, but these, these things come up and you don't realize how quickly the hours disappear from the week is, I guess, the biggest takeaway. When I, before I started law school, I read on a blog somewhere, they said, for every one hour in class, assume it'll take you two hours outside of class. You heard from my story, contracts did not take me two hours outside of class. Um, the time slips away. And I had to realize how to be really mindful about my time and really mindful about how I exhausted it outside of a classroom so that it wasn't draining me. So that's how much I was involved in clubs or organizations, how much I was involved in socialization and whether or not that was important to my mental health and well being. When you're in college, it's easy for you to be like, oh well, like I'll finish that reading later. Like I'm going to go to the dining hall or I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Or I went to school in the city. I'm going to go into Manhattan randomly because that's what my friends are doing tonight. And you kind of have to have a little bit more one self-control and two understanding of what you need to be well-rounded. It's okay. If you don't want to socialize every night, it's okay. If you say, I'm only going to kind of hang out with my friends one night on the weekend. Cause this other night, I really need to not be with my books and just be quiet and relaxed in my apartment because that's what I need for myself. Um, So that was the biggest realization that, like, you can't manage it all. If you thought you could manage it all in undergrad, you simply can't wear 17 different hats in law school. You have to find what you're passionate about and what kind of works for you and go from there.
1: And you you might encounter other unique things that kind of surprise you that you feel like maybe we or other first-generation students were aware of. What I have to say to that is there's no way with how many students that are here that you're the only one who's surprised by something it's, it's it's it doesn't matter if you're first generation or not there will always be things that come up that are shocking maybe you weren't prepared for and it's okay as you i am living proof that you will be fine like you will still make it to the end and graduate and be just fine and i, I would echo what jenna said keep up on that calendar the days just come and go. There's some weeks that feel like forever. And then there's some weeks that are like that. And staying organized will really help you, especially when things pop up out of nowhere that you weren't anticipating. You can have some wiggle room in your schedule to be prepared. And so before we open it up, is there any last piece of advice you two would like to offer to our wonderful guests here today?
5: Um, I would just say, which if you've ever interacted with me through admissions or heard someone else complain about interacting with me through admissions, <laughs> you're supposed to be here. If you weren't here, you wouldn't be. Um, the people in admissions always tell me it's a really easy job for them to accept an applicant with good grades, great recommendations, a good LSAT score but it's the tough job for them to then sell you that this is the right place. And for whatever reason, each and every one of you decided this was the right place for you. So what I say to you is in the moments that you get a cold call, it goes bad, or a professor, you know, Professor Heavenly stopped my towards class, the middle class one day and was like, if you're on the fence and you're not sure and you really want to go be a vet, you should go be a vet and not be here. And I looked around the room, and some of my peers were terrified. And what you have to remember is if you're here, you wanna be here and that's what fuels every day, especially as someone who's taken the leap without any lawyer in your family to kind of drive you to do so, you're meant to be here. When you don't feel like you are lean on support systems, your you know, tribe that upslips you because there's no reason that all of you uh, shouldn't be alumni that I interact with you know, after you all graduate from here. So hang in there through that.
4: And I would say the path to success is not one size fits all. What works for one person isn't going to work for another person one person like me might be really bad at saying no to things another person doesn't want to do anything you have to find out what works for you are you the person that's going to work well in a group or do you need to sit by yourself in the library but the biggest thing i would say is you need to be adaptable and what you're proving to us already is that you are adaptable because you didn't let the fact that you didn't have anybody else In your family as a lawyer stop you from coming here and you made it through orientation so you're doing pretty good so far Um, so i would just say be adaptable in the skills that you learn from not being the first generation are going to make you a better lawyer so it really can be an advantage so i look at it as a benefit as opposed to a disadvantage
1: i would agree with chris you know you likely come from situations where you maybe feel like you had to fight a little harder or for some of us that are from historically excluded groups we, we did indeed have to fight quite harder than maybe some of our peers to end up in institutions like these who might like period. And just remember that like you did that. Like you did that you went to school you came here you're taking like what probably feels like, maybe this made it feel worse, terrifying leap, but you're doing it. And the support is here. If no one else, I'm here to tell you that you can do it. There's support all over the place for you guys. So thank you to our panelists and thank you to George. And if you guys have any questions you would like to toss in, we still have a little bit of time, so ask away. Yes. Um, so it was mentioned that there are certain things that grow first-generation students for a loop, like the New York law exam. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, is there some resource or guide that we can look at so that we don't have those curveballs? Because it's going to always be a curveball for us students that are not from lawyer families. So this is going to sound kind of crazy and maybe not something you thought of, but you can it's completely publicly available what it requires to take to become a bar attorney York. And you can look on the New York state's bar website for exactly what you can anticipate when it comes to those other exams, all the paperwork they're going to want. It didn't have to be a shocking experience for us, but I will say nobody ever really mentioned that that's just information. That's just there. So I would encourage looking at the New York bar's website to see what you can anticipate for bar admission. One follow-up. Yeah. Would you guys say that the the ask like the bar exam is was the main curveball, or is there other curveballs that we should be aware of? Like you mentioned, parking downtown. Is there anything else that we should be aware of? Especially since I imagine a lot of us have tighter economic circumstances, depending mm-hmm. on where we came from. Yeah, I will say for me personally, the financial situation is kind of a big deal. I am deeply entrenched in student debt at this point. I'm, I'm hoping for the cancellation left and right every day. <laughs> but I would, I would just, if, if you are like me, the financial aspect is like stressing you out already, I would let you know from now that your bar class is going to cost you several thousands of dollars.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Unless you get involved with a bar uh, company like I did. Oh,
4: yeah. I'm on Kaplan. Where
5: you are you um, bar- I'm Barbary and I don't know what Kaplan's deal is, but I know at least for Barbary each year you're involved with them, covers a portion of your bar. So because I've been involved with them since the start, I won't pay at all for my bar exam prep. So that's a great resource for anyone, much less a first generation student worried about their financial expenses because mm-hmm. a bar course is looking anywhere in the range of two to $4,000, um, sure. with, you know, supplements and add-ons. So you can get involved, I always looking at know Kaplan is. Kaplan. Themis is the other one. I was looking for reps. Get involved. One of the attorneys at my firm recommended to reach out before I even got here for orientation. I was locked in before the first day of orientation with them. And now I won't have to worry about that expense. Books also. I uh, oh. I went and like, I don't know why, because I always bought my books used in undergrad. It was like, Casebooks, the partner I work for still has his casebooks in his office. I need brand new casebooks. I spent my entire year book budget on my fall semester books one year, my first my one out year. And I sat in the office that I worked in my last day crying when I realized that I'd spent my whole book budget on my one out books. My professors didn't even use the casebook connect online. I could have got used books. I thought I needed the new ones. So take advantage of the fact that you know better reach out to your professors for your future semesters. So over Christmas break, when you know you have your schedule for the spring, reach out to whoever your common law professor is. Contracts you'll need both semesters. You don't have to buy another contracts book in the spring now, but your new classes, reach out to them, say, hey, I saw the bookstore says that you need X, Y, and Z book. Do I need a new one with, you know, online connect? Or I saw that you have that I can get an older edition. Is that cool? Take advantage of the book swaps that like are on Facebook from upperclassmen and buy those books used if you can you're gonna save yourself so much money in that respect. And that's gonna really financially help you um, to be able to then, if you want to, you know, buy supplements or take advantage of other resources to help you in your preparation for exams to do that.
1: I, I will say budgeting became a really big deal for me very quickly. And I did mention like, yeah, for example, I interned at the United States District Court actually with the judge forum. And yesterday, Judge Jean, you know, I interned with her for a semester. And because my internship happened later in the afternoon, I'd get down with it, and all the five dollars for the whole day parking lots would be totally filled up for people who actually have jobs down And so the district court is unique in that it didn't have parking for us, and I could have you utilize public transportation to save myself money it just never dawned on me cuz i'm from florida and that's not something we do down there sure don't but i will tell you like use the public transportation there are, there are so many more options up here than there are down there you get free CDTA. You get, Yeah, you get a free yeah. bus pass. you get a free bus pass as well as it works you still work with the, the bikes yeah like that use these resources but just a sneak peek budgeting is something i am going to bring to you all very early on in the semester because it really affected me in a very negative way looking at you know what can i afford when it came time for bar prep there are bar loans and i was like don't give me another loan <laughs> you know like please like anything but another loan so i i'm i'm giving you the advice from now just know that things can be expensive and what might seem expensive to you might not seem expensive to some of your peers. For me the cost of taking, how much was the MPRE? $135. 135. It was a hundred dollars mm-hmm. For me that was like the difference between being able to like get degrees and further my legal career. It, it was very stressful for me. So definitely just, just know that from now. That you monitor your finances and say, we, we are going to work with you on uh, budgeting, saving up, how to do that when you come from the lower. Level? I don't have happens. I don't really understand that.
3: I'm
1: going to go here first. I'll come right back to yes. you. I just want to say real quick I'm actually on my CTA plus pass at the same place that our student ID is taken. That is where you can get them. The business yep. office. It's free. So yep. they're it's free. free. Tell them you want one. They're awesome in there. They're also free to talk to you in their local business office. Yes. Yeah, I just have a question. Do you guys recommend uh, working your first, uh, your first year on these I really do not recommend working your first semester if it is at all a possibility for you. And I say that not because of the workload, though that is a factor. I say that more because of the, the mental load that it will be. There, you're having not just like, all this work to do in front of you, but you're going to realize there's a learning curve in how to approach your classes. It won't feel the same as when perhaps in university you would read a chapter and your professor would just lecture you about it. It won't be like that. You'll be expected to be comprehending more. And as mentioned, there will be likely one exam at the end where you're going to be tested on everything that you learned the entire semester. And it might change how you plan to approach studying and preparing. And I, I, I know it might not be possible for some of you, and I desperately understand that when it comes to finances. But if you can make it happen to not work while you're going through all of that, it'll be better for your academic sense and will set you up a lot better moving forward, for sure. I did start working though my second uh, one else semester because I had no choice. <laughs> yes, not to know. Um, so I guess this kind of has to do maybe with me about or such, I think, but um, personally, um, I was a forensic teenager, and I thought that was like, really hard, and so I had like, no time or mental energy
3: to like do
1: a lot of internships. So like, I don't can- have any experience at all in the area of love, like, I didn't really love or anything like that so like I feel like I don't know how to do literally anything so the idea of like applying to an internship or in the summer and like but why would they hire me I know literally not like do you learn that if you're a I like I know oh my gosh you're going to be shocked how much you know am I wrong about that by the end yeah. of your first semester
5: a lot of it is um which I'm sure the career center could add to <laughs> and your career advisor, when you get their email shortly, um, can, there's your plug, uh, we'll tell you also, but um, so many skills from other parts of your life transfer to the practice of law. Um, like I was an environmental studies and anthropology major. So sure I did legal stuff or relating to legal things during it, but how those majors apply to the practice of law as it relates to understanding people, understanding how to work. I mean, how often I interact with people and they want to hear after hearing about my legal experience, like, oh, well, you were a camp counselor. Like, what did that teach you about leadership or collaboration or about you know thinking on the dime when things go awry? So based on your experience, what you learn in those classes, maybe how it is to work through a scientific process or how it is to problem solve, all those things are still skills that you'll use in the practice of law, even if you don't realize it right now. And what you'll learn through the support of your faculty and your advisors and your academic advisor is how to turn those transferable skills into the skills you market for employment. So to say then, like, I worked at Fordham has something called Ramvan. It's their intercampus transportation system. I worked behind the desk, like selling tickets and coordinating the routes. I turned checking the bank into being able to manage, you know, finances for an organization or being able to you know oversee route exchanges and all those things are leadership skills and all those things are practical work skills for how you'll interact with others when you work so don't think that just because like you didn't work at the le- the law firm of x y and z and didn't intern here there or somewhere else before you started this journey is going to in any way hinder you from still being a qualified applicant in that pool
1: i was i was secretary for four years of college and as it turned out I'm that's still like my best life. So me, I was secretary to Dean, and my life was just typing you notes. Know, it made me an incredible notator when it came time for law school. And I also, my, my minor was in forensic sciences, so I, I, I know what you mean. that things are very different, and the approach is more of that methodical, scientific basis. But some of your peers might also there. There are several who come in with science scientific backgrounds and are just as successful. But your first semester, I know it feels like crazy and you guys are already like thinking all the way to summer it happens to the rest of us. You're going to be a totally different person in terms of your knowledge by the time you're looking at internships. I would not put that burden on yourself right now. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Should I already be applying to internships? Nobody's expecting that of you at this point. You haven't even put pen to paper yet. You'll learn how to write a memo in your first semester in lawyering. Lawyering is where you're going to learn how to do research. It's where you're going to learn how to do citations and become a better writer. You're going to come out of that class with a whole different view on how to write a paper, which I can relate to because I understand that science is paper writing. Totally different situation than what you're going to learn here. Keep that open mind when you're in class. Like, you might have to let go of some former ways you've done things, especially if you are coming from those more scientific instead of philosophical backgrounds. You might be used to method, method. You might have to get a little bit more in touch with your creative side, but no one's just throwing you to the wolves. Like that's never happened. And even when you do intern, I've never had a supervising attorney who did not just teach me what I needed to know to succeed. their office, I mean, it's their office. They're not interested in me going out there and making them look like fools, right? No one will let that happen to you. We'll take one more question, for we're a little over time, but I know you're all excited. Alex. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, can, can I you? just have one other thing? Yeah. yeah. Just to alleviate some of that um, to your question.
3: We have, I mean, so many students come for straight from undergrad to possible without that extent. And we have so many partner, Employers who understand that, and they really are in the market of seeing you in your first summer of teaching. That's what they're really good for. So just to sort of alleviate some of that stress, and then I'll just really quickly do. I want to just kind of question my team to the first they're A really good question. What are the other things that we don't know? Right? We don't know. We don't know. Um,
1: I was I was also a first generation of law student.
3: And something that caught me by surprise was the timing of recruiting with some organizations. On. So, I see, so I wanted yeah. to say that. <laughs> so, I don't want to a bit of extra emotional or mental energy worrying about this. I want you to know that you can rely on our office to communicate to you everything that is coming up. We're looking out to make sure people have the information you need. All I will ask is that you read our emails. <laughs> <laughs> read your
1: emails. Whatever <clears throat> you're no coming from, All your open up, read it. If it's coming from your TA, you should especially read it. Mm-hmm. And I say that as former TA, Albert can tell you that. You know, read read your emails and the Career Center will never let you down. No one is it not going to, that will not blind you when interviews and things like that are coming up in the anticipation of applying to things, like, you won't be blindsided by that the career center. As we said, as we love up here, we love the career center. There and it, and
5: rates. it's okay if you're type A. Sometimes I email you she's like, Jenna, that's not for another month. Relax. Like, you're going to get an email. And I always get an email. Um, so don't worry if you're type A and you're, you know, thinking about it before you think about it. But Team Fitzpatrick is so right. Trust that the resources are there for you, trust that the support is there, trust that no one's gonna let you fall behind in the wayside um, and do what you came here to do, which is be academically successful and let the other support systems uplift you for the rest of the puzzle. Yeah, don't, don't
1: stress about those types of things. I know that's way easier to that, but, you but know, just realize that we have a very vested interest in you succeeding, we want you, to succeed we want to see you out there working after all this work you're putting in i mean the entire staff faculty the career center the business office everybody will get you to where you need to go ask anybody we'll find who you can talk to you to get the if we don't have it and I, I promise you that that is true for putting in every faculty staff member here Okay,
0: yes, your question. Yeah, I just had a quick question. I was wondering if, uh, if, if you could explain what you
3: meant by like aligning yourself with a bar prep company.
4: Yeah, so we'll get an email from like, I don't, from Kristen and I. Yeah, <laughs> uh, from one of us talking about bar reps. So basically there'll be an email sent to the entire school saying that we're looking for bar reps. And then it'll, mine was just like a survey that I, I just filled out a survey and that's kind of how I got picked. Uh, for Kaplan you just have to have a certain amount of people sign up for sign up and use your name for the bar prep and then it's completely free um I recommend either doing any, any of the free though
5: yeah I mean for Barbara it's slightly different um getting involved kind of goes through word of mouth so like I said um an attorney who I was practicing under or working under recommended that I get involved with them so I made that outreach for myself first, first started I figured out who the uh the contact was for Albany law and connected with her and um, from there got involved. Uh, Their involvement is slightly different. So you might do things like table, which Mm -hmm. is great because you'll learn about resources like their first year mastery program, which a lot of the bar programs do. Obviously, i but <laughs> but like Barbary's, because I'm familiar with it, but like all of them will have first-year resources and outline on your first-year topics, so you can kind of learn about them. They might have uh, kind of remedial activities for you to do on their platforms. So you can practice what you're learning in the classroom. Um, and based on your involvement as it relates to Barbary, for each year you're involved, you earn a portion of your bar prep. So for Barbary, it's 25, 25, 50. So 25% first year, 25% second year. On the last year, you get 50% off because obviously, third year, you're most actively working as it relates to recruiting other third years for purchasing bar prep. Um, so, even if right now you're a 1L and you need to focus on your academics, which is ultimately what you're here for, you say, you know what, I think I want to get involved with the bar company second year. You could still look at it as it relates to Barbary, having 75% of your bar prep paid for. So, even still, that's a big piece of the puzzle. And if you're lucky, um, to end up in a really great employer who pays for bar prep. And at least Barbary will pay you back for your service of working unpaid in law school if, you're, if your firm pays for your bar prep for you. So, that's true. Some law
1: firms, um, if you have an office, you're going to for your
5: bar
3: prep
1: as well. And there are, uh, are also more. And just as you, bar companies that here, you'll see them on campus as well. They're very popular. There's, there's, there's actually like bar maps, I think. Bar maps, like <laughs> Also
5: so, yeah, public, yeah. public interest, um, if you're someone who is interested in doing public interest and public service work, I'm pretty sure for all of the bar organizations do discounted rates for individuals using public interest or doing public interest work. You basically apply through it and show, you know, sustained proof that you're either working in post postgrad or have been involved with it a continue or plan to continue being involved in it. And that could save you on your bar prep as well. I all
1: that Sorry. <laughs>
5: yeah. Nobody needs to know.
1: All right, everybody. I don't want to hold you here for the rest of the afternoon because I feel you could we could probably make <laughs> it so if you have any more questions, you're welcome to just come up and ask me and whether else is up here. And I think by right now you all are fully aware of what my email address is. You're welcome to send me this morning. You're welcome to send me an email at any given point in time, day or night. Don't promise I'll answer it in the middle of the night. But I will get back to you always within the next day. And if you ever need me in person, my office is Right there, the 411 suite, I'm a little, little peeve that still says online graduate program, but I'm in there. It's not the online graduate student program anymore. It'll eventually say my name. It's fine. But 411, right there, 411. Thank you. So thank you all for coming. <laughs>